Coming up, a deep dive on my favorite young basketball team, plus a lot of football next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where I put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did the 35th anniversary of They Live, which is just an amazing John Carpenter movie. It is so weird. It is a really, really interesting movie to watch in the conspiracy culture world that we live in now. Did it create it? You can make a case that it did, at least the modern version of it. They Live creates modern conspiracy culture and pump up the volume created podcasts. I think Hard Harry was the first podcaster. That's my take. Now we've done both of those movies in the rewatchables because they were that important. On this podcast, I'm going to be talking to Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer about Oklahoma City and why I think they're going to be the surprise kind of pseudo contender this year. And could they be even better than that? We're going to talk about that plus some other uh, NBA storylines and some Rookie of the Year stuff. And then Benjamin Solak, we're going to talk about teams, players, coaches, that it might be time to pour some dirt on for 2023. So this is a hardcore football, basketball pod. Can't wait for you to listen to it. First, our friends from Pro Jam. All right, Kevin O'Connor is here. You can hear him on the Mismatch Podcast. You can read him on TheRinger.com. I want to talk about Oklahoma City. Normally, I wait until we do the big over-under pod with House and Rosillo to tip my hand on what I'm thinking about some of these teams. I am fascinated by Oklahoma City as a possible leap team. So we saw, you know, Sacramento last year was a team that jumped up, and I think a lot of us like them but they ended up being even more successful than we thought. There's a case for OKC that I want to go through, but let's start with Chet, because you talked about that on the mismatch today. Chet went against Wemby on Monday night. Chet, I think, is the most kind of under-the-radar asset that anyone has added over this offseason, especially if you watched OKC last year. They went 40-42. and 42. Not only did they not have a good center, they didn't have a center. 
they just basically went small ball. And if you were just going to pick people out of a pile and say, what did this team need? That person would look like Chet Holmgren. So what did you see last night to make you think that not only will he have an impact on them, but that he might actually be like pretty special? We saw everything that we were kind of hoping for in terms of how he could enhance that team. I had the Thunder 15th in my pre-preseason power rankings that went what? up on the ringer. And that's kind of high, right? But I think it was like kind of a bet on SGA getting even better, Jalen Williams taking a leap, Giddy getting better in year two, and then Chet. You know, like Sam Presti said during his hour and 50 minute media media day press conference that would chat like, yes, it's his rookie year playing, but it's more like the Thunder's first year with Chet because he has a whole year yeah. getting stronger, you know, learning, you know, how to be an NBA player, improving his body and all that. But like, I think with him, we saw him hit two threes. So adding floor spacing as a seven footer. We saw him grab nine rebounds, you know, even though he's lean, like they were 28th in defensive rebounding percentage last season. They need size, as you said, Bill. And then the rim protection and the ability to, you know, uh, protect the rim, add defense, create more transition opportunities. He brought the ball up the floor himself sometimes driving to the basket. He just adds a completely new wrinkle to the thunder that they didn't have last year. And I feel like with him, he is somebody who can complement SGA and Jalen Williams and easy ways. He can also just enhance those guys and add a new dimension that they haven't had with his perimeter abilities on offense. Is he a rookie of the year candidate to you, like in a real way? Because if you look at the odds on FanDuel, you know, they're they're steering everything toward Wemby. But with Scoot as kind of the backup. Wemby's plus one thirty. Oh, Chet's now plus two seventy after that last game. So he was four to one like two days ago. Scoot's three to one, but I think Chet's the safest rookie of the year bet because if he's gonna play like seventy games. They need him. He's going to play real minutes for them, probably like 30 minutes. And I could see him being like a 14, 10, and two and a half blocks kind of guy with some good shooting percentages. Plus, I think the team's going to be good. And I think that matters too. So is he in the real mix for you? I think he belongs where he is right there as third. Uh, I'd still yeah. have him behind Scoot. Scoot, Scoot Henderson's going to have the volume with the Blazers. Dame's been traded now. He's the guy yeah. on that team. And like they could they could even overperform. Portland could a little bit, too, with all the veterans that they have. Uh, and then yeah. with Wemby, though, I mean, like as amazing as Chet was, his debut, I mean, Wemby, 20 points on 8 of 13 in 19 minutes, doing hitting threes off of screens, off of handoffs. He had a three off of an inbound pass uh, where he was kind of moving away from the rim, something you see like a six-foot-five guy do, never mind a seven-foot-three, What about seven the steal? Foot four guy. Oh, they, the steal, they, yeah. Let's talk about the steal. Oh, oh now now we're having a Wemby conversation. He did this <laughs> Spider-Man... Oh, Almost like God. when you're watching alien videos on some conspiracy board and it's like, come on, you guys created <laughs> that. That's like a fake video. That didn't really happen. That that alien didn't jump from a car. He, I, I don't know how, he, I've never seen anybody get a steal in that spot. He's the top of his key, top of the key. Somebody was driving and he did this Spider-Man reach out and just flick the ball away. Who who was the player? It was It was somebody good. And uh, the player, was it, it was somebody was it else, Jalen Williams. Wallace, uh, no, it was Jalen Williams. Williams. Okay. And Jalen Williams must have been like, what the hell just happened? You were four yeah. feet behind me. So anyway, he looked great. Um, Bill, his 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 one of his feet was like barely inside the three point line, and the other one was at the free throw line. Just to put it in perspective for people who didn't fake. see the play, and then the block yeah. on Jalen Williams too, where he got beat. 
it seemed like he got beat. And right. then out of nowhere, he, he stretches out his eight-foot wingspan and and blocks a shot. That's going to happen a heck of a lot this season, I think, where guys feel like they have Wemby beat one-on-one, but then they don't. I think he has a chance to be the best social media kind of short clip person we've had since social. We've had 15 years now of social media and probably maybe 10, 11 with the actual videos that can be turned around fast. He's going to be the best one for that because he's going to, there's going to be one play a game where you're like, wait, I've never seen that before. Anyway, back to OKC. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you're sitting down. So I'm going to tip my hand for next week's pod on this one thing. I have them fourth in the West right now. Wow. Fourth. Yes. And I won't wow. say who I have in the top three, but I have them fourth. So here's the case for the people who haven't done a lot of OKC research. They're over under 44 and a half on FanDuel. They're 40 and 42 last year. Again, a year younger, no center. Um, at the West is better. So I think that's skewed, skewed a lot of the over unders and a lot of the playoff talk. Six to one for their division. That's going to be tough. 42 to one for the conference, 34 to one for the one seed and 85 to one to win the title. Probably staying away from those, but uh, playoffs, they're like minus 140, minus 135, somewhere in there to make it. No playoffs is plus 106. I think they're, if they don't make the playoffs, somebody got hurt. Um, so last year, no Chet at all. SGA missed 14 games and Jalen Williams, the, the wing Jalen Williams, J-Dub. came on second, J Dub came on second half of the year. And once that started happening, he just immediately moved in with Giddy, with SGA, where you're like, oh, these three, these pieces all make sense next to each other. Now add Chet. They have this team where SGA is 25 and he's one of what, the best seven players in the league, one of the best eight players in the league. Like he's in the top eight, right? Yeah. Top, top eight, eight, nine, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever you I mean, he was, he was fifth in MVP voting, first team all NBA last year. I mean, like he's, yeah. he's in that same general range. Josh Giddy turned 21 this week. Dort is somehow 23, which I don't fully understand. I think he turns 24 <laughs> this season. Uh, J-Dub is 22. Chet's 21. Wallace, who they just drafted, he's 19 or 20. And then the other Jalen Williams is 21. And Trey Mann's 22. So this is like a crazy young team. And that's why you would ding them. 2010 OKC. KD was 21. Russ was 21. Harden was 20. Ibaka was 20. And Green was 25. That team jumped from 23 wins in 09 to 50 in 2010. Hmm. And if you're making the case for OKC is going to be a lot better than people realize. I think it's really good to look at that OKC team, which went from 09 to 2012. They went from 23 to 50 wins to 55. Then they went 47 to 19 in the lockout season. So each year they got better and they were pretty much a semi-contender in year two. Golden State, Curry era, 2012, 23 wins. 2013, 47. 2014, 51. 2015, 67. So this OKC team this year, uh, they 40 last year, 24 the year before. And if you're applying that mindset of, all right, could those be the mayor teams? Could you go from 24 to 40? Could you get to like 50, 51 this year? And then a year from now, you're 55, 56. That's what I have in my head, KOC. And I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I think you're betting on a lot for a young team, right? And I, I like that's clear, right? But if things click right around SGA, 
They have the piece. They have the one guy. It's not like they're a young team that needs somebody to develop into that guy. That that's where like that's it's like why having the quarterback in football, right? They know they yes. have this guy who can go toe to toe with every other best player in the league, and they're going to win some of those. Yes, exactly. They, they they it's just about the other guys catching up with SGA, and th- and that's where that's why I had them fifteenth in in my power rankings. I'm not quite as high as you are on them, but with if Chet proves that he can stay healthy continues to add room protection and spacing and all the skill of Jalen Williams continues ascending like he did at the end of the season and lost in that I felt like in that game last night between everybody's looking at Chet and Wemby obviously yeah like Jalen Williams is having his insane stretch at the end of the second quarter with like the the transition dunk and then the block and then the putback dunk and the step back three on Wemby but lost in all of that was case on Wallace Looking oh my like God. Drew Holiday already. I yeah. mean, three steals in different ways. They added not just Chet this year, not not just hoping for development from their existing guys, but Kaysan Wallace is the type of rookie who could come in right away. And next to Lou Dort, that could be one of the best defensive backcourts in the entire NBA. Add in SGA. You yep. can have so much different versatility and ways that you can play. Okay, I OKC is definitely an over for me. Like that that over I'm, I'm way winning you over with this. Yeah, yeah, let's go through this. So, let's say they're finishing lineup SGA, Giddy, uh J-Dub, Chet, and maybe it's Dort if you need defense, maybe it's Trey Man if you need shooting. Their bench. We didn't mention uh the other Williams, Kenrick. Um the the how do you pronounce the new point guard? I've only seen Michich. Oh, oh, Mitrich, yes. Yep. yep. He's going to play, right? Isn't he going to play? He, I would think he's going to play. They they gave him good money, and he came over from a you know a great career overseas after Yeah, like he seems years. like he's at least a 15 to 20 minute yeah, guy. He'll play. And I think he'll be good right away, too. You know who else they have who I think is going to have minutes for them is Bertans. Because this team, their biggest flaw last year, and people are going to laugh, and the Washington sure. and Dallas fans are going to be like, fuck you, Bertans. They needed shooting. They they were a really bad three point shooting team last year, for a team that had a, you know in the it made the playing game and all that stuff. So they're going to need some shooting. Seventeenth in three point percentage. So you add Bertans, you add Chet. Chet also yeah. helps you with the rim protection. Like the a defensive rating could go into the top ten. Three point shooting can go into the top half. But of the, the problem with them is SGA and Giddy aren't really three point shooters. And Giddy mm-hmm. is another one where I I just I love that guy. I don't feel like we're close to where we're going to end up with him. And if you look back at that 2010 OKC situation, the big question was like, well, can Westbrook take a leap? And I'm like, wow, Westbrook, he just you know, is in the 2008 draft. What, is he going to run the team? And then all of a sudden he could do it, right? And what I like about betting on this team is these are guys that are really, really, really talented. Like that Jalen Williams, the wing Jalen Williams, that guy, I, I thought he was the best rookie the last two months of the season. Mm-hmm. SGA we already talked about Giddy though his passing and his rebounding from the guard position I mean he might be the best the best under 25 rebounding guard we have then you add Chet I just think all of these pieces make sense to there, there's another piece to this too but I like for a young team this is I don't know what what else would you add like maybe make Trey Mann like an even better you know like a lights out shooter what else would you want on this team I mean, the, you need somebody bigger than Chet. Their heaviest guy on the roster is J. Will at 245 pounds. So, like, you need somebody who's 250, 260 plus, you know, seven 
seven plus feet. And like with Chet, yes, he provides rim protection. But I mean, we see teams like Boston last year with Robert Williams and Al Horford, two bigs. You know, yeah. we see Brooke Lopez and Giannis, teams that have size and can put two bigs on the floor. Chet's unique in the sense that like Brooke Lopez, you know, like Chris Tapps Porzingis, the Lakers hope with Anthony Davis this year shooting threes again. There's not a lot of guys oh, who can protect the rim and space the floor. Yeah. That's one of those, but he's still not he's still not the type of guy that you're going to have defend Jokic or Embiid. So if you can add one more big, like that's what I would prioritize if I were Oklahoma City. Probably the easiest thing to find in the league. I mean, Detroit's got 17 centers. Maybe yeah. ask for one of those. Maybe they could get in on the Kai Jones sweepstakes. <laughs> <laughs> God, we're doing an emergency follow-up. Time to pivot to that, right? Dusty for Kai Jones. Rasil and I actually, we were texting last night about if we did like a 75-minute Kai Jones emergency <laughs> trade pod, but we did it completely serious <laughs> and never, never kind of broke character and went through all the teams and treated this like it was a huge event. Like when people get the joke or not, we decided... Priscilla was more into it than I was. Uh, he, I was like, there's no way we could keep it going for more than 10 minutes. He's like, I think he really was was into the possibilities of it. Um, let's take a break. And I want to go to the trade assets, which is the other amazing piece with this OKC team. Get ready to start the NFL week off right right now. All customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay for Thursday Night Football. Just place a three-leg same-game parlay in this week's game between the Broncos and the Chiefs, and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. You know what I like this week? You can bring the Chiefs down to minus two and a half alt spread, and you can bring the over down to 40.5 points, which it will definitely go over because Denver has the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. And then add Rasheed Rice, anytime touchdown scorer. We talk about him in the Solak part of this podcast. I just think Mahomes likes him around the red zone, especially if Kelsey, they end up scratching him just to be safe this week. That is plus 366 for that combo. And I kind of like that bet, got to be honest. You can build your own bet like that or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you and FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. FanDuel now live in Kentucky. Download the app now. Take advantage of their great special offers, boosts, and more. Visit Fandle.com slash BS so you don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat, same-game parlay in America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21-plus in president select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident, and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. 
Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is simply safe with two eyes, simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like simply safe. All right. So you have OKC here. We mentioned SGA, how he's one of the best players in the league. People know this, but I'm just going to read it. He averaged 31 a game last year. He was 31, five and six, 55% shooting, 10.9 free throw attempts for him. Just ridiculous. Like over and over again at the end of these games, he would figure out how to create some sort of something for them. Uh, 27.2 PR. One of the great things for him and for this team, I guess it's not as great for him, but his salary for a superstar is probably the best salary in the league. He's making 33 million this year, 36, 38, 41. Those are his next four years. That's locked in. And when you think about that and you think about how young this team is, from a salary standpoint, you know, they're not even close to the tax, any of that stuff. They got Bertons at 17, Dort's at 15.3, Old Depot's at 9.5, Poku's at 5.3. They have a couple others. So they could put together any sort of deal. The draft picks that they have, they actually had, KFC, they had twice as many first round picks as I thought they did. And when I was doing the work, I was like, oh, I know they have the Clippers and the Houston stuff. And then you go through it. This year, they have Houston's top four protected first. That is not a bad pick to have. They have the Clippers unprotected first. They get to pick between their own pick and Utah's pick for first. Top 10 protected. 25. They ha- they can swap with either the Clippers or Houston top 10 protected. They can grab one of those. And they have their own. They have their own picks from 25 through 29. They have the Clippers unprotected 26 first. They have Houston's top four protected first in 26. They have Philly's top six protected first in 26. Embiid might be long gone by then. They have Miami's top 14 and protected in 26. They have two picks from Denver, top five protected in 27 and 29, plus all their picks. They have so much to trade that if this team's actually good, they could make a move like in January and we could be going, holy shit. Like, they're going for it. I don't know if they want to, but what do you think their appetite is if they're actually good at being like, fuck it, let's go? Well, Sam Presley was asked about this during his long media day session, and and he said something interesting. I watched it last night, and he said in there, you can't let the fact that we have some additional draft capital make us soft. You don't want to cut corners. We might need those tools to have a functional payroll over time if our players turn out to be as good as some people are projecting. And then he mentioned how some teams around the league that have high payrolls already are using those second round draft picks to replenish their roster. He didn't say the names, but like those are clearly the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Suns are adding future picks in the second round. So I think with with OKC, like they have 10, you just listed like I think 10 future first round draft picks on top of their own. They 10 15, plus their five. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, and then 15 additional second round draft picks on top of the ones that they already have that are their own. So like, I, I get Sam Presti's point with saying that, but at the same time, like you have so many picks. At some point, you either need to kick the can down the road or consolidate those within the draft or with a trade. 
during the season. And I, I think the team, you know, the other thing he said during the presser was he said he kept saying the word now, like right now, there's not a rational case for going all in and making a big move. Not right now, but there could be once we have a better idea of what we actually need. I think that idea is going to come January or February and whether they make a move or not depends on who's available. But I'm pretty sure like we can look at this roster and pretty clearly say adding like maybe a star scoring wing or a big, you know, beefy center next to Chet Holmgren. Somebody like that is pretty clearly what this roster needs because they don't really need much else at all. Um, so or maybe, I think or maybe they, both of those things at the same or both. time. Yes, absolutely. So I think with, with OKC, if they exceed expectations in terms of the, the Vegas over-under and all that, uh, I think they'll be at least high 40s uh, projected for wins by midseason. Then, yeah, they, they should at least be looking around a lot by January, February for a big trade. It's so fascinating that Presti is the one that is in this position because he lived this already with the KD era. And, you know, if you're going to critique him on anything, and I, I think he's been at least from a drafting, team-building standpoint, trades, all the stuff that he's done. He's been the most successful GM in the last 15 years. But he also kind of blew a window with that OKC team because they weren't aggressive enough. You know, they, mm-hmm. they I listed those guys they had, but, you know, in 2010, having KD and Russ and Harden all 21 and under and Ibaka at 20 and Jeff Green at 25, and there was this, and you know, the league was in a different spot. They had the lockout was coming. Um, people weren't sure about like luxury tax stuff. It was a small market team. I get all that. But that team, when you look back and you think that team only won one finals game, all the talent that they had, you know, the Harden trade, which I've talked about a million times, but it wasn't just that. It was their one big trade was Jeff Green for Perkins. They didn't really go all in at any other point. And then belatedly, as it got near the end of the KD thing, that was when they started making like the more rash moves. But I think they missed their window and I don't think they were aggressive enough. You know, and I I, I say this over and over and over again. I think when you have a window and you have a top guy, you can't just assume it's going to go seven, eight, nine years, especially in the way the NBA works now, where guys become happy overnight and guys are switching teams or guys... I think it's over. These windows now, they're, I think this has been smart with what the Celtics have done. They know like their window is like two, three years. Like that's, it's not seven. It's not nine. Tatum might be unhappy a year from now. Jalen might be unhappy a year from now. So you got to build around what the window is. Uh, at least so now for them, like Peyton I think their Pritchard windows built. now. Yeah. Well, now they, yeah, Peyton Pritchard for seven million a year. But I just don't think OKC can think, oh yeah, five years from now, SGA will be 30 and Giddy will be 26. And you can't. So I think they should be thinking about, can we make a big swing this year? They can certainly afford it from a salary cap aspect. I wrote down Siakam, Ananobi, Carl Anthony Towns, and Paul George. And we can go at them one at a time. Did you have anybody else? I mean, there's Paul like... Paul George again. Paul George, the return, again, huh? the sequel. <laughs> um, and then you could always get into like, could it be like a Jonas Valanciunas if New Orleans isn't as good as, you know, as people thought? Or um, there's other guys down the line. Could you grab some 20 million a year center? But is there anybody like that you just think, oh man, that would be perfect. Like, would you think Zach Levine for this team? Nah, I, I don't think. That, I don't think I had him. He wasn't on my yeah. list either. I, I mean, I looked at the name and I was like, eh, nah, I'm not. I wouldn't go for him. Salary's too big. Just doesn't make complete yeah. sense. The guy names I had 
Wendell Carter from the Magic, oh. uh, if, if they ended up wanting to move off one of their bigs. Robert Williams from the Blazers, if they wanted to flip Oh, that's him. a good one. Yeah, um, why not Robert Williams? Jared Allen from the Cavs, if it turns out that you can't uh, have both Mobley and Allen, if Mobley can't extend his range to three and they need to move one of those bigs, because then you could get, if you're the Cavs, maybe you get a Lou Dort type back in that deal and you yeah. you know have, have a, a strong wing defender. And, and then the big name would be Joel Embiid if the Sixers implode. Oh, my God. Uh, Embiid next to Chet Holmgren with SGA. That's a championship team right off the bat. Well, hold on. You just gave me an aneurysm. Hold on. I just have to, the blood has to stop bleeding in my brain. Holy shit. Embiid. I didn't even think of that one. Hmm. I don't know how happy he would well, be going from Philly it does, to OKC. It doesn't matter, though. That, like we, that You said like how Presti wasn't aggressive enough at one point, but he also did go for a guy that didn't want to go there with Paul George. He wanted yeah. to go to, for L.A. He traded for him anyway, and then he ended up re-signing a contract extension to stay in OKC for longer. Granted, he got traded you know, the same year you know, Russ left, but um, I still think like that, that history from Presti going for Paul George would indicate that if a big fish like Embiid becomes available, he's at least going to explore the possibility of trading for that guy. And he has the assets to, if he wants to, have the best offer in the league. Without a doubt, he could top anything out there with the assets, with the picks he has, and with the players he has, tradable contracts, good young players. Like He could give up Giddy if he wants to to get Joel Embiid. Um, mm. like, there's just so many different ways you could construct the package for Embiid if things I'm just sour with the Sixers. Not giving up Giddy. I love that backcourt together. To to me, the the Dort is somebody that I could put with Bertans. Now I'm in the 30s. Plus, I can take more salary back. I'm talking like QB Brown now. Um, but could you flip that Dort spot into? Could that become Ananobi? And how much of a yeah. difference is that for a team? Ananobi is somehow we've spent more time talking about Ananobi than most of the players in the league. Um, Really, 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 really excellent defensive player and a solid three-point shooter. Okay offensive player for somebody that thinks he's going to be making 40-plus million a year. But if you just flip Dort and a couple of those picks and then Anobi, they're better. And I like yeah. Dort a lot. Um, o- OG helps, but I mean, is he is he taking away? Are you winning the uh, finals next year with? Yeah, yeah no. no. Is he no. taking also? Is he taking away some valuable time from Josh Giddy playing the four next to Chet? Is there does it does it become too much overlap with having the investment yeah. in OG and Anobi? Like he, I had him like on my extended list, but like to me, if you're giving up uh, that Lou Dort salary, that there's a bit of like I don't know how much better OG Ananobi is for this team. He's a better player in a vacuum, uh, but he doesn't add a lot to Oklahoma City, in my opinion. But Siakam is a different, different story. I mean, he's yeah, one of the like, best eight. He's either the seventh, eighth, ninth, or tenth best forward in the league, and yeah, he's he, gives you some. He can play the four. He can play the three. He can do a little small ball center with you. Um, he's a proven guy. He's been in big games. That's somebody Siakam's I would think about too. He, he, a little older than OG, but I, I, I'm with you that he's a he's a more intriguing fit for Oklahoma City if they want to accelerate this coming season. A free agent to be, so you'd have to pay him afterwards, and he is older than everybody else on the team. But 
he he does add something that you don't have. And he can play with other guys. He's played different roles at a high level. He was a spot-up three-point shooter in the corner the year the Raptors win the title. And, yep. and now he's a versatile Swiss Army knife for Toronto, can do everything on the floor. So I, I like the Siakam bet. I, to me, like I'd still focus more on on bigs this year because they have so many they have so many guys that can handle the ball and a lot of different options at wing. Unless it's like Paul George is interesting. That's the one that stuck out to me most on your list. Yeah, if the Clippers, if it goes a little sideways this year, they don't get hard in and then they start out slow and Kawhi's in his willy or won't he routine again. Um, I do feel like Paul George is somebody that could be available. The most interesting guy for me, and I can't believe I spent as much time as I did thinking about it and trying to figure out if it was work or not, is Towns. Because... I still feel like having Gobert and Towns makes no sense, especially as Edwards keeps ascending. And why do you want to have multiple bigs and clogging the, all that stuff? And I don't think those guys play well together. And could you just get Towns for like eight, for like 70, 75 cents in the dollar? He's somebody that Portland just wouldn't even consider for Dame, which I thought was fascinating. Um, around the league, his reputation is pretty iffy. And I, I don't think people think he's like a horrible guy or anything, but it just, it's kind of like he's 27. He is what he is. And can you win with Carl Anthony Towns? I think people are really suspicious of it. But you put him on this team. All right, what does he give you? Well, now, now I can play him with Chet. Now I have spacing all over the floor. I have a seven-footer who can shoot threes. I'm going to get 22 and 10 a night. Worst case scenario, with good shooting percentages. I have Chet insurance. It's kind of the perfect fit for them, but yet it's Towns, and I don't know if they'd want to bet on the personality. What do you think? I'm lo- I'm thinking personality, but also salary. Five years left on his contract is. But is that they have the money though? I mean, I just laid out the SGA thing, and then it's all they, younger they, guys. At they some have point, it you right have now. to spend the money. But they have it right now. But then when all of these guys come up. So you're saying up, four years from Yeah, down or even just three years from now. I mean, when you got to pay Jalen Williams and you got to pay Josh Giddy and all of these guys, like they have the a lot of The cap's going talent. way up, though. What's the cap's going to be? What, like one, 180 in three years? Like at some point, you got to spend on four guys. T- Timing-wise, though, with Cat having five years left, as enormous as that salary gets. 50 so you think it's a million. stay away? It's a blind stay away from you? Uh, like when I looked at Minnesota, uh, I was thinking more about Gobert. Three years left on his deal. He's along Whoa. the same. He's along the same lines of what I was saying with Jared Allen and and some of yeah. the other bigs that I mentioned. Uh, Wendell Carter, Robert Williams, Gobert, Chet. Like that'd be insane rim protection to complement Kason Wallace on the perimeter. I'm intrigued there. I don't love. I didn't list Gobert initially because the the money's so high at forty plus million dollars and personality fit could be a question there too. Um, but I'd be more intrigued by Gobert next to Chet than I would with Cat next to Chet. You just can't quit Rudy Gobert. Um, wow. So Towns is 36 this year. And then it jumps to 49, 53.6, 57.6, 61.6. Holy it, mackerel. It's, it's not yeah, about, you're right. That's a stay away. Yeah, it's not about quitting Go, Gobert. It's like, I just I just don't trust Cat and and it's about what does OKC need. They they were 28th in defensive rebounding percentage. They need an elite rebounder. Having more rim protection next to Chet could make them the best defense in basketball. Cat last year and we'll see this season, you know, at how it develops, but 
He did not adapt well to defending more on the perimeter when playing next to Rudy. He would have yeah. to do that uh, playing next to Chet Holmgren. Uh, the decision-making by Cat, I just... I have my questions about him, and I used to be a cat guy, a major cat defender. Um, he, he, has, he has not improved in the ways that I would hope for over the years. So Rudy's 41, 43.8, and then a player option for 46.6. And that becomes tradable. It's a two-and-a-half-year right? commitment. Yes. Yeah. In the and last year. Third, a, yes. A third yeah. year, like, you can trade that. At that point, you still have a ton of picks at that point. You don't, probably don't have to give up many picks to get Gobert, if any. If Minnesota wants to instead like trade swap out for say Dort and Bertans and one other yeah. player, like they might want pieces. So you might might keep all your picks and still get something that you need if it's somebody like him. I just think he's too expensive compared to the Jared Allen types who are at twenty million, half the price compared to Gobert. I think your initial instinct was the right one. And I'm mad I didn't think of it. Of uh, the Robert Williams call is great. Cause that you could basically get one good first rounder and then one of like the not so great first rounders. But now Portland would basically end up with DeAndre Ayton and what? It'd be seven firsts. Yeah. And swaps. Absurd. So you could give them, you know, you wouldn't want to give them one of the unprotected ones, but you could, you know, you could talk about 2026 Houston's top four protected and then give them like Miami's 2026, Miami's unprotected and just be like, here. Yeah. That's a here, cu- couple seconds, that's, right? Yeah, and some seconds. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for Robert Williams. Yeah. And and uh, and then if you're Portland, you're delighted. Because it does feel like they traded for Robert Williams as a trade piece to try to turn him into two more picks, which with his salary, if he's healthy for a month, I think I think that's realistic. You know, whether it's in a two-team or a three-teamer from a team that's trying to shed money. I still, for the well, I'll never understand why Phoenix wanted Nurkic. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, especially hearing them talk about like, oh, his screening and oh yeah, oh yeah, they're going to be able to run some of the offense through him. It's like, am I? Do, do have I? Do I have a concussion? What's happening with this? So I'll I'll be proven right eventually. <laughs> but yeah, so maybe it's just Robert Williams, and you just add that. But regardless, forty four and a half wins. And then you look at some of the other teams that are higher than them. Like, I don't trust the Clippers. Memphis isn't going to have job for 25 games. House and I were just badgering Verno today about that. Because Memphis is over under on FanDuel. is like 46 and a half. And it's going to be 25 games of Marcus Smart being like, I got this, guys. Uh, good luck. Verno th- thinks they're fine. Bane's the end of, end of the end of the game guy that they're going to go to. Like, I wish everybody a lot of luck on that one. But um, I just think I trust the talent on OKC more than some of these other teams. Regardless, the West is impossible. It's, I mean, we have to, there's 11 teams and you basically have to decide which three of these are getting bounced. I don't know. Have you even done that work yet? Uh, not not yet. I want to see a little bit more preseason. Um, but but the one other thing, the one name we haven't mentioned with OKC, Bill, just on top of everything you're arguing in favor of them is Mark Dagnalt. They have a really, mm. really good coach in Dagnault. He's done a great job installing layers to the system yeah. on offense. They can play so many different ways. The chemistry last year, and I, it seems like it'll translate this year, comes from him with the selflessness on this team. Dagnault, yep. it's not like they have some weak coach uh, with all these pieces. They have a really good coach. Um, so that that's another point in favor of, of Oklahoma and, City. And off that point, there's a competitiveness to this team that I talked about a couple of times last season during the pod. 
it's a bunch of dudes who just like roll their sleeves up and go. And then they add Chet, who I think is weirdly wired like that too. Oh, That's he's, a guy. He's a killer. Killer. As a skinny white guy, that guy's been targeted since he was 13. <laughs> and he like, you know, he really cares. About that. And Wallace is another one. That dude, you know, he he is like an energizer, energizer bunny type of uh type of guy. So it's like, you just go down that lineup. It's like, who's the dog on this team? All of these guys give a shit. And I think that over the course of a regular season, that's the most important quality. If you're thinking about overs, like this team has to go 45 and 37 to beat the, beat the over. Like there's no way they're not going to do that unless somebody gets hurt. And plus they have Poku. Yeah. So what, that was going to be my, <laughs> my last OKC question. What happens now with Poku? <laughs> He's just trade fodder now. Like he's not going to actually play this year, is he? I mean, he got twenty minutes per game last year, and he was pretty good uh, before he got hurt. Um, so I would expect him to play. He's part of that group of. I mean, clearly Presti is has a thing for tall players with skill. Giddy, Chet, yeah. Poku, that Usman Jang for that matter. That's what they're investing right. in. So I, I think with Poku, they're going to play him and see if he continues uh, his positive progress from last season because he. He looks really good in his 30 or so games. Really good? Really, really good compared good. to thinking that yeah. he was a bust yeah. before that? <laughs> yeah, really. Yes, really good compared to his uh, dramatically up and down roller coaster first two seasons. He was shooting the ball well, protecting the rim, making better decisions. He had a positive assist turnover ratio. Uh, like, There's a lot to like from Poku last year, Bill. Listen, when people give you shit online, for the big three of Poku, Bamba, and, <laughs> and uh, Killian, <laughs> and Killian, we they also need to respect the fact that you and I were in the front fucking seat of the Luca bandwagon, just adamantly saying that he should be the number one pick that year. There's video of the whole thing. Like we were literally in the front seat, like playing with the radio as the Luca bandwagon filled. You also, you were a big Tatum guy, right? Yeah, coming Tatum's out of second in his in his draft class. I mean, and we, you were we, big on that Tatum trade to Boston. Like you've had a lot of wins too. So yeah, if you're gonna throw I, like I mean, a couple of stinkers at KOC, like mention the wins. Well, we I mean, think I mean I've I've talked to people in the league about some of the whiffs that I've had in there, and everybody like in the league, it's so different compared to online. They're all like, Oh, I had this miss. I had this miss. Yeah. Like, everybody in the NBA draft has big hits, home runs, grand slams, and they also have big whiffs. Like says that's what the draft is. It's very, very hard to predict. Um, so, well, the yeah, Killian draft was the, the to me the COVID year yeah. should just be all the predictions should be thrown out in the COVID year. Yeah, th- we're gonna look a, back at the COVID year, year as like one of the dumbest years we've ever had in any draft because what do you like? Halliburton ends up becoming ha- Edwards hits. Yeah, but we had no idea that was gonna happen. Halliburton, Desmond Bain goes to thirtieth. The Celtics draft him and trade him, and then you. Look at Maxie, some of the other guys. Maxi in the twenties, right? But then yeah, on the flip side, somebody year. like Wiseman. You know, I I just think all hell yeah. broke loose. What uh, I know you're you're talking about all this stuff on the mismatch, but is there a storyline you feel like is underrated as we're now getting close to that? We're two weeks away. Is there anything you're looking at as like I don't feel like people are talking about this enough? Because for me, I, other than OKC, which I just I can't believe everything about them that, that I just feel like they're going to be way better than people see. I do think that Chris Paul and the Warriors thing, I'm starting to talk myself into the, all the things that he brings to the table that are just a 180 from what they had with Poole, who was like a young guy who wanted shots, who wanted minutes, who just got, you know, wanted the contract 
and just was a young guy that wanted to spread his wings versus now bringing in somebody like Chris, who's like, what is he going to play 1300 minutes this season? They're going to be resting him for the playoffs, but spotting him in these 20 minute stretches. And I just think he's going to be additive for them. I think he's really going to help them. So that'd be mine. Do you have, what would you have for underrated? In terms of the top of the West, uh, like Denver's young guys that they added, um, mm. I think with Strother, Hunter Tyson, Jalen Pickett, like we'll see how those guys end up carving out minutes. But um, Calvin Booth, their GM, clearly made an investment in older rookies. And, yep. and I think that that's an underrated storyline for the way they're kind of trying to build this forward and replace Bruce Brown. And then the Kings. I, I'm just, I'm just I think they'll be very good. I just I still have my questions about Demontis Sabonis as the guy to be their five to be a, become a championship team. Um, yeah. Can he can he improve like OKC years ago? His rookie year had him shooting threes. Can he like become a guy that's a threat? Can he improve protecting the rim? And then kind of the the same you know the other side of the coin with the OKC storyline like that you're talking about is New Orleans. If Zion can stay healthy. Uh, can, if him and Ingram can actually play together, New Orleans also has a ton of depth and quality talent. Uh, they've just been completely unhealthy. And uh, I, I don't think Willie Green is quite as great as a coach as Mark Dagnall yet, but he hasn't had those guys healthy and hasn't had a chance to prove himself. But, but can New Orleans be another team like Oklahoma City that can really uh, disturb uh, kind of the status quo in the Western Conference with some of those top teams that people expect to be there? It's going to come down to you know Zion being healthy and and. We'll see. That's a big if. Yeah, one of the things I was thinking with the West, like you mentioned New Orleans where they had that little run two years ago and then Sacramento last year. Um, everyone really liked them as a possible up-and-comer, but I think they overachieved for what we all thought. But sometimes it's circumstances of the conference, right? The West was a mess last year. All kinds of shit went down. And sometimes when it's a mess the team that just stays healthy for six months or the team that overachieves a little and they're, they're able, and then they can ascend and their win totals may be six spots higher. I, that's not going to happen this year. And I look at Sacramento and I'm, I'm kind of leaning on under for them, even though it's pretty much the same team as last year with a year older of Keegan Murray that you feel like he'll be better. Uh, and they added Duarte, I guess, but for some reason, I'm like leaning under for them because I think the conference caught up with them. And is that going to be worth three extra losses, six? Are they going to have the same health they did last year? They're not going to catch people like by surprise in the same way. And, you know, and the the top of the of the conference where you got Golden State, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Phoenix and Denver and the Lakers are going to be significantly better as a regular season team. And I just don't think they can swim in that ocean. So I don't know what that means for their over-under, but I, I don't I just don't think what happened to them last year happens again. And Mike Brown was awesome last year. Like he he installed yeah. that system, but it's not fresh anymore. And and that's no. where I think like teams are like they had a whole summer, uh the whole season watching them. Um, you know, we'll we'll see with Sacramento if they can improve it. And Viz- they added Vizankov too, who was MVP overseas, very good player. I like him yeah. a lot, but I, I just I, it's this a bonus question to me with Sacramento, and this is the year, uh, year two of this thing for them that we're gonna get some answers about him. I feel Lakers is forty seven and a half over. God damn, I like it. I think that team's gonna be really good. Yeah, I know. Awesome I, I like everything I've read. Oh my God. I like everything I've read about them this, this off season. Mm-hmm. And it, even like with them, it feels like if LeBron got hurt for 20 games or just had some sort of old guy injury, I think they'd be fine. 
I think they have Reeves, a lot of ways. D-Lo. Yeah, I think they could just run stuff through Reeves and Davis, and I think they would be okay for like four or five weeks. So, yeah, I think that team, the Phoenix's offense, and then Denver's in general, those, those are three awesome, awesome teams. This is, I, I can't wait to talk about it in detail next week because I think there's so much talent all over the place. Even like you mentioned, like Sacramento, it's like, oh, they're not any better. Like, but what if Vizenkov's like really good? You know, what if Keegan Murray's much better? He, every team has these guys that you can go, oh man, what if this happens? What if this happens? There's really only like four or five stinkers. You know, like I listen to uh, Ringer NBA, the Waz and Barrier and uh, and Mahoney. They did their worst ten teams, and you think like they all had San Antonio like in the bottom three. I'm like San Antonio might not be bad, <laughs> but I also think they're probably right. Maybe they are one of the worst three teams, but I still want to watch Sacramento, uh, San Antonio. It's not like it was, you know, a few years ago. If you're watching a bad team, they're fucking bad. You know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we're ready for expansion, KOC. Oh, no doubt need about it. We need two more teams. We're ready. Yeah. I mean, it should be ready ASAP. I, I wish it were happening next season. It's not going to, but I mean, uh, maybe 2026, 2027, hopefully soon, because the league's ready. There's so many guys on rosters that aren't going to be getting minutes. Like, we're talking about OKC throughout this pod. There's going to be guys like Trey Mann. Like, I don't even know if we said his name. Like, Trey Mann yeah. is a guy, he could be on another team and he'd be like a promising young player. Like, ooh, what can Trey Mann be become? He might not right. play some nights for Oklahoma City. There's so many guys like that across the It's like the Pritchard right last year. Pritchard was like this fucking afterthought. He would get DMPs. And <laughs> I would say, and people thought I was being a homer. I was like, Pritchard's good. Like, I couldn't believe people weren't trying to trade for him in February. And now you see it. Like, now they've paid him. He's going to be the basically sixth man of the team or seventh man. And he's going to play real minutes for them. He's going to be good. But I think After. there's a lot of Pritchard guys out there that are just like, I just need minutes. Just give me 25 minutes. I'm going to be good. Mm -hmm. Philly After has a couple his, guys like that that I think are interesting. After Pritchard's 47 points in two preseason games, have you uh, managed to get rid of your Peyton Pritchard boner yet? No. No. It's, <laughs> it's, it's lasted more than four hours. I really like the Celtics team. They ran the first play of the preseason game. Porzingis was in the corner. And they ran the offense so that, uh, you know, got the ball got swung to him in the Al Horford spot. And somebody ran out to him, but he's seven foot four. And he just shot it over them and made it. I was like, oh my God. I was so <laughs> I was like, oh, he's gonna have seven wide open threes a game and he's seven foot four, and you're not gonna be able to jump out on him in time. On paper, it looked it just looked really good. And then White and Holodavs yeah. fired up. We'll Por talk about Porzing that another time. Porzingis looks uh I mean, last year with Washington, the best season of his career. This year, like the first preseason game, attacking off the dribble. I mean, yeah, Porzingis is if he stays healthy, he's, he's the he's the most important piece on the team to make them from not just great team, but the yeah. championship favorite. He's that difference maker. Also, multiple Boston people have told me they think he's taller than seven foot three. Hmm. Have you heard that before? No. You know, like the tall guys lie about their height sometimes. Yeah. KG, like they're six like, no, he's actually of... <laughs> taller than seven foot three. I need to see it in person, but hmm. uh, there's been a couple of those over the years. Anyway. Uh, KOC, we can hear you in the mismatch. Read you on theringer.com. Good to see you as always. Likewise. Thank you, Bill. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? 
little doubleheader, little NBA doubleheader. Right, first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Peloton Spring the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just You're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, Full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. All right, our guy Benjamin Solak is here. You can read him on Sunday nights on TheRinger.com. He's writing an excellent weekly column for us. You can hear him on The Ringer NFL Show and on the Philly Special. And he's got the Play Sheet video series. He's one of, one of our busiest people. So it's always an honor when he graces us with his <laughs> I presence. I want to uh, play a game with you called Last Rights mm-hmm. because we're heading into week six. I think five games is enough of a sample size in a lot of ways for, oh, wow, I'm writing that team off. Hmm. There's bigger problems here than we thought. Oh, this team's better than I thought. Like Detroit. I'm like, I'm in on De- I was in on Detroit a week ago. I'm like, you know what? I was wrong. This team's good. Uh, but I want to go last rights route. The Patriots, can we pour dirt on them? Is that like, yeah. have you seen any? It's over, right? Yeah, it was over once Juden and Christian Gonzalez went out in the same week, man. Like that, those were, I think, given the way Gonzalez was playing in the first month of the season, those were your two least dispensable, most indispensable defensive players. You lose them in the same game. Uh, that was, they were already tying together a defense that I thought was, was playing well, but like wasn't like a such a dominant defense that was going to win game after game for you. Offensively, they have no talent, none. There's, there's no one on, the, on this, this team that's impactful. And like, I was a big Ramondre fan entering the season. He's underperformed, and he still might be their best offensive weapon. It's it's so, so, so dreadful. And then uh, the coaching staff, you don't think, is going to have solutions to this problem because they're the ones who dug themselves into this hole, and they've been in this hole for a bit, and they're not going to get out of it. No, the uh, Patriots' turnaround would be no short of of stunning to me this season. Their over-under has dropped to 5.5 on FanDuel, and that still feels too high. I have no explanation for Ramondre. He was awesome last year. He's been terrible this year. I thought this yeah. was going to be a run the ball, play really good defense, physical team that didn't beat itself. And it's been, 
the opposite. Ramondre right. is very high on the list of players that I'd be calling about right now if I were a GM at the trade deadline. Where I'm just going to call patrons and see like, hey, if you guys just don't like him for whatever reason, and like it's like a uh, you know attitude thing, and there's a, a vibes are off thing. I'm very interested in Austin Eckler, but make him bigger. That's I'm I'm curious of that. I would like to acquire that. So Ramondre, I'll be curious to see if we get trade deadline smoke over the next few weeks. Well, so Denver's another one. We can pour la- we can give them last rights, right? They're over unders four and a half. They're done. That's a teardown. And it makes me wonder, like, aren't those the two candidates for the number one pick for you? Because Carolina doesn't have their own pick. You, maybe you could say Giants too, but I do feel like the Giants at least have some talent. They got, you know, they've had bad injury luck. They had a terrible schedule. Um, but if you're Denver and if you're the Pats, we see this in the NBA all the time. We don't see it as much in the NFL. Why aren't you trading assets knowing that it also weakens your team this year? And like even somebody like Kendrick mm-hmm. Bourne, like would he be good on the Chiefs? Like he probably would. I, I feel like there's I, a bunch of guys like that. Yeah, I love Kendrick Bourne on the Chiefs. I, I dropped that on, on Extra Point Taken last week where I was just throwing around trade deadline stuff and I was like, let's get a QB friendly receiver to a Mahomes that desperately needs just one guy who is where he thinks he's going to be. Uh, in that vein, that exact logic, why aren't you trading assets to go make sure you get an early pick is why I think the Vikings are a really good candidate for the first overall pick, right? Uh, oh. their, their general manager, uh, Kwesi Adolfe Mensa, who's I, I, I struggle to pronounce his last name, I'm sorry. Uh, Kwesi is a uh, an analytics guy. He's probably the most analytics-pilled GM that we have in the league. Maybe Andrew Barry, Harry Roseman, but he's up there. Uh, and they're at a spot right now. One of my particular last rights that like I, I have on my list is last rights to Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. Uh, Kirk's in the last year of his deal. I, I would be legitimately stunned if we see him in a Vikings uniform in 2024. It's not even so much that he's not playing well enough to justify it. Like he's still Kirk. He's playing exactly like Kirk has been playing for the last five years. Um, but yeah. this team desperately needs to infuse with youth and start a new era. And I think that you're going to see trade deadline interest in, in, in Cousins, uh, especially because he's on that one year rental. Uh, accordingly, I could see them walking into the season, playing the backup the rest of the way, right? I think it's Nick Mullins. Don't quote me on that. Uh, they've been changing backups for a while now uh, and really, really, really trying to sink this thing. Justin Jefferson's on IR with a hamstring injury now for at least four weeks. Hamstring injuries don't just go away, man. I mean, you don't just get over a hammy. It's a quick, it's a, a quick twitch muscle at a quick twitch position. That's that's a hard injury to deal with. I wouldn't be surprised if they shelf Jefferson, if they trade Kirk Cousins, they really tank this thing and they try to go get a new quarterback this, this upcoming draft. My daughter had a hammy pull the fifth day of soccer and it's six weeks later and it's still yeah. not 100%. And she's no, I, made it worse I, twice. I had a hammy pull in 2014. All right. Like, yeah. Well, the thing that it's not like a sprained ankle where you can play on it and it gets better. And the only way you're really going to hurt it is if you like actually sprain it again. The hammy, it's just like anything can just set you back. So I think you're right on Minnesota. They don't even have them for, um, for they took the over under down and on FanDuel. But yeah, the Justin Jefferson injury is going to, you know, leave them in a bad spot. They've been a mess too. I mean, that the, some of their strategy stuff, like that when they were blitzing Herbert. (laughs) 80% 80% of the time in that uh, Chargers game. That was yeah. nuts. But you're the uh, you're the smartest football person I know. Can you explain how somebody trades Kirk Cousins during a season and how that works with the salary cap? Because I just can't wrap my head around it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Kirk Cousins is on a one-year deal. Uh, excuse me, he has one year left on his deal. Right now, his base salary is $10 million. Base salary gets paid out as the game checks, right? Oh, you get one eighteenth of it, one uh, eighteen times a season, right? That money, so however many weeks will be left, nine, ten weeks, 
will be uh, responsible for the acquiring team. So if the Jets trade for Kirk Cousins, they have to pay whatever fraction of that $10 million is left, which really is not a lot of money, right? You're going to be paying single, what is it, seven figures, right? Single digit millions uh, for Kirk Cousins as a functional starting NFL quarterback. The rest of the money that's on Kirk's contract is all bonus money. It was either part of a signing bonus when he first signed the deal or money that got restructured when the Vikings changed the deal to create some cap space. All bonus money has already been paid to the player. It already The Vikings already gave it to Kirk. It's just on their salary cap for this year or for next year or for the following year. And so once they trade Kirk, the Vikings are still on the hook for all of his bonus money, right? Right now, he's got a $6.25 million uh, cap hit, which is signing bonus, another $4 million, which is restructure bonus. That doesn't go to the Jets. It all stays with the Vikings. And so if you're trading for Kirk Cousins, you're trading for a one-year $10 so you're trading for deal. the game checks of Kirk yeah, Cousins, but you exactly. don't have to send a matching salary back or anything close. You could just no. absorb it in your cap. No. Now you have to make sure you have room for that in your cap, obviously. Uh, and yeah. then you, you can still do funky restructure stuff. Usually when we see trades with restructures, we see that the team that's selling takes on some extra money to incentivize the acquiring team to get this player. Usually it's like a, a cash dump. Uh, we don't typically see it work another way where uh, like the Jets would acquire Kirk and then up his salary. I suppose there's worlds in which that might happen, but that'd be an extremely rare thing if it's ever happened at all. So in general, Kirk is a very, very attractive trade candidate right now. If you are the Jets, uh, certainly like I, I'd be calling about Kirk. I think the Falcons are a potential Kirk team. Thank you. This, I was yeah. I was waiting for you to say them, but Ritter yeah. was good last week, but is Ritter just, is he a good at home against... Yeah. You know, uh, young young teams, or is he actually like there's signs of hopes here? Week five is the worst thing to happen to me in a while. Cause I was so close to being off of Justin Fields and so close to being off of Desmond Ritter. And then both <laughs> of them just had the best games they've had this season. And I'm just sitting here like, but what if this was right. the turning point? Um yeah, I mean, like uh Arthur Smith is a very good example of how this sort of thing can work. Uh, he was the the Titans offensive coordinator. They make the Ryan Tannehill change and he's a big part of Tannehill's, you know, kind of career resurgence. So if there's a guy in the league who feels like, hey, I can go get a middling over 30 quarterback and still make an offense work out of him, that guy's going to be Arthur Smith. So I think that uh, the Jets and then quietly the Falcons are your two best Kirk Cousins trade candidates. And I do think that's going to be a legitimate conversation when we get later in October. Not Washington. And then there's always the possibility of somebody gets injured and needs a QB immediately because they're having a good team. I, man, I hesitate saying this out loud. Yeah, let's do it. No one's listening. If I'm the Jets, do I want to see a couple more Zach Wilson weeks? No. Because I think I do. I don't. No, 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 no. No? Don't do it. No, no, no. It is, it, it, like, Jet. Zach Wilson's biggest fan in the entire world is Robert Sala. And he's almost lost the defensive locker room twice now okay. by endorsing this guy. You cannot... like I, If you walk out with him past the deadline, fine, whatever. And like you do the Trevor okay. Simeon thing, I don't care. But the the like Sauce Gardner will stage a revolt if they do like too much more Zach Wilson stuff. You can't do it. He had, in the fourth quarter, he had this great like third and 11 throw where he stood in the pocket and hit somebody over the middle. And I was like, Zach Wilson, man, it's happening. And then, and then what happened? Back. Pick like two <laughs> plays later. <laughs> All right, so you would. So if you're Minnesota, maybe, maybe you get Zach Wilson back. Oh, the little little uh, new home, yeah, new, new, new Zach. home. Yeah, just try yeah. it out, see what's up. That new I don't base. mind. I feel like I feel like the Jets will want to get Zach Wilson out because it just get him out of the locker room, right? And you kind of rid yourself of that polarizing figure. So Cousins trade, I like it. 
And it does seem like that's the right move for Minnesota. My next last rights. Tough one. Uh, Carolina fans, cover yours. Can we do last rights on the Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud? Who should we pick number one? Is that just a wrap now? Is this like Luca DeAndre Ayton where we're just, we don't even need to talk about this anymore? Yeah, I have on my list. I, I came with four and one of them was first overall pick Bryce Young. It's, we're not, I'm not last rights on Bryce Young, the NFL quarterback. I am worried. Uh, I was not a Bryce Young guy coming out. Uh, uh, that, that height, that, and that play style at that height was concerning to me. I was much bigger on, on Stroud and Richardson. And I think that through five weeks, it's pretty clear that those guys, both of whom have played well to start the season, Stroud kind of more consistently, more reliably, and Richardson with some incredible peak moments. Both of those guys have such a wider road to success, to long-term franchise quarterbacking yeah. than Young does. His road is so thin. Even if you want to argue like the offense and the scheme and the skill position players are really holding him back, which I think has some validity to it. It's still just, it's so hard to see the world in which this works. Where a guy who can't really access the deep outside parts of the field because of his arm strength, who isn't as going to be a great scrambler because he's not quick enough, big enough to actually break tackles. Like just the worlds in which he succeeds are very, they're very thin worlds. It's, it's, it's not like a Tua thing exactly, but think about how when before Mike McDaniel with Tua, we were like, okay, this guy might work, but you need to run like a really specific offense for him. When you find it, it's great. It's just that doesn't happen very often. It's very hard, very challenging to do. Uh, so first overall pick Bryce Young, I agree. I think that was a swing and a miss. I definitely think if the coaching staff, like it seemed in March when they traded for the pick that the coaching staff was really leaning on Shroud. Uh, Frank Reich had comments today talking about how ownership is really involved here in Carolina. It seems like that mm. was a little bit of an ownership pick. That's doubly worrisome because if the, the coaching staff never fully believed in the guy and now he's uh, struggling while the other guy is succeeding, you just the deck is so stacked against you. It's worrisome stuff. I think that's the worst team. There's some decent stats with them offensively compared to other teams. Like they have eight touchdowns. They have 103 first downs. Right, where you look at like the Jets have 73 first downs, the Patriots have 83 first downs. So their offense has been a little friskier, and they also have no incentive to go 0 and 17 this year because yeah. they don't have their pick. How so many of those first downs say, came from the Andy Dalton game? That's what I want. Well, to know. That, well, <laughs> th that might be part of the problem. Um, so my lean would be them as the number number one worst team, except for the fact that that's not worth it for them to be the number one worst team. So if you yeah. had to go for a worst team, who would you go with? Like if you at the end of the year, yeah, this team has the number one pick. Who would you bet on? Right now, the 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 team in my power rankings that's the worst is the Broncos. Uh, and 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 the saving grace for the Broncos was supposed to be that okay, like they're not going to be good. They have talent problems. Russ is a huge issue, but at least they'll be well coached. And they have not been well coached. Like I think like offensively, they're trying to do the right things. And in fact, like by the numbers, Russell Wilson's having like a pretty fine season, but yeah. they still make a lot of mistakes there. And then obviously defensively, it's it's terrible. I mean, it, it's a it's a travesty, a miscarriage of football, the way that they try to get 11 players on the field working in the same direction. Uh, so I don't think they're a well-coached team. I would say right now, my guess for the worst team in football is the Broncos. They might still win a few games though, because like I said, like Russ and the offense like still has, they have stretches where it works pretty nicely. Yeah. And so uh, uh, if you put Broncos and Panthers head to head right now on a field, like neutral field, I think the Broncos would probably be favored. But my my guess for long term, who's the worst team? I think the Broncos. Panthers are going to get better because they're young, right? Like Young is going to play better in Week Twelve than he did in Week Four. Defensively, they're on a first year of a system. Offensively, on a first year of a system. Like they're going to uh, get it around the corner at least a little bit, in my opinion. Broncos might just be a total dumpster fire. Might completely blow up. Can we give last rights to uh, all the Sean Payton? 
all the smoke about him being a top five coach because that team is terribly coached. And he's got to get some blame. Like they gave up 70 points to Miami as guys stopped tackling mm-hmm. against the Jets, which the Jets were just dying to give Broncos that game. And then the Broncos still figured out a way to screw it up. They do stuff like it's the kind of team that they just hit the punt returner before he catches the punt. They right. make like those kind of penalties where it's just like, do you guys practice? What's going on here? Um, yeah. I thought this guy was supposed to be like the savior. I don't see it. And yeah, like it's, I never was fully there on the savior either because like I said, like the Russ offense is is performing better, but better than it was last season. Like EPA per drop back. I think like a Russ is near the top 10, but it's not um, like he was never going to turn out a top five offense with Russ. Like that, that's just not in Russ's cards anymore. He's not that level of athlete. And knowing Sean Payton, he doesn't seem like the sort of dude who takes great joy slash is interested in fielding the 12th best offense to go nine and eight. Like it's not right. his it's not in his DNA to be like, oh, a building block. We did a good job year one. Let's go to year two. Like he just seems angry. He seems like he's in blow up mode, right? There was there were reports and rumors that the the Broncos locker room is expecting some trade deadline moves and they're gonna sell and they're gonna go super young. So like there's there's ways that you can clearly see Sean Payton is positively affecting the Broncos. Like they have this UDFA running back to Liam McLaughlin and he's playing quite well. And they're like they're, they, he's got, good. Like, they got like nine different receivers who can catch a pass and they use them in solid way. Like, like there's stuff that's happening that's like good football. But the 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 bedrock here was never good enough that a Sean Payton coach could walk in and like really actually fix everything. That's like a magic wand pumpkin at midnight sort of a a, 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 a turnover. So I'm very interested in year two of Sean Payton Broncos. Presumably that's non-Russell Wilson version and see what he looks like when he's actually building this thing in his image. But year one, like, yeah, they they, they should be better than they are. They absolutely should. But I didn't ever think Peyton was going to be able to like eleven and five this year, or eleven and six, I guess eleven and six this team because it just the, the 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 pieces weren't there, and that's not Peyton's mo. Peyton wants to build this thing in his image. They're going to scrap before they 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 excel. So can we also give last rights to the new coach theory, or can D'Amico Ryan save it? Because you and Sheil, you did a yeah. whole whole thing on the new coach theory, which by the way, I I've been a subscriber for fifteen years, and I stared at the Broncos for a while because I was like, this is the perfect new coach team where they had the bad coach last year, no expectations, nobody sees them coming. Like they're checking boxes. And I just couldn't get there because of, mostly because of Russell Wilson. I didn't realize that defense was going to be this bad. So unless Ryan's or, Sh- or Shane Stake can, can save the new coach theory, we might be, it might be, might be dead. Well, let me, let me, let me push back on that because the Broncos almost hired D'Amico but they lost him because they were too busy screwing around with Harbaugh. And then D'Amico like, lost interest in the job and, t- and he wasn't going to take the Texans job. And then he did take the Texans job. And then they tried to call him back, but he'd already committed to the Texans. So then they went up the offer for Sean Payton. So the new coach theory would have worked perfectly if the Broncos just did their job and hired D'Amico Ryan. <laughs> but instead, okay. it, yeah, we, we ended up in, a, in, a, in an alternate universe where he ends up in Houston. Uh, I think, right, ex- like new coach theory, I generally still feel good about. Uh, maybe there's a... If Russell Wilson is your quarterback and you spent a ton of picks to go get him corollary, that uh, that, that precludes the Broncos, the 2023 Broncos from inclusion. Uh, D'Amico, well, though, I wonder, yeah. I'm not going to give up on the Colts yet. Oh, I know Shades, Richardson yeah. got hurt, but I I like I think they're well coached. Um, I really liked how they played against Tennessee. I didn't think any, I didn't think people were going to be able to run the ball on Tennessee like they did. They've lost their quarterback yeah. midway through two to, two of the five games this year. I don't know. I, I think they're pretty solid. I've been impressed by them. Yeah. Colts have been a nice big surprise for me. Absolutely. Shane Sykin is like official stamps got the goods, dude. Like I, I 
I was a huge Steichen guy when he was in Philadelphia. He took yeah. the play calling from Nick Sirianni midseason in 2021, and they immediately experienced the jump, and then they had a second jump in 2022. Offense was buzzing. You can see in 2023 now, the Eagles offense still looks the same, but it doesn't look the same. Like, we all, we, we, we all, like, they're pressing similar buttons, and A.J. Brown is great at this, and Dallas Goddard is great at that, running the football incredibly. But we all watch it and go, oh, this doesn't, this isn't as easy as it was last year. This isn't as free as it was last year. And meanwhile, you got Steichen, who just, uh, like both with Richardson and with Minshew consistently puts players in the exact position they need to be in to succeed. How are we get like this wide receiver room is Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce and Josh Downs. Their starting tight ends are Kylan Branson and Mo Ali Cox. Like this, this ain't it from a personnel perspective. Zach Moss is out here rushing for 150 yards, man. Uh, Stankin right. is, is I think like uh, if, if there's a guy who like we have, we have Ben Johnson with the lions. Who's that like, play caller everybody loves who's not in the Shanahan tree if there's a silver medal on that podium it goes to Shane Steichen who I don't know how he came up and how he got all this from where he didn't get it from the Shanahan tree but the uh the play calling the sequential stuff that he does is really really awesome and this is the problem these are the the really sad dark patriot fan threads that I'm on right now Mm -hmm. where it's like well Mac doesn't have the weapons and the, the you know the line isn't there it's like well how do you explain Houston and Indianapolis to me because what does CJ Stroud has? He has a bunch of young receivers nobody's ever heard of. He's had all kinds of chaos on his offensive line and he's been fine. Indianapolis, yeah. same thing. Who's had, they didn't have Jonathan Taylor for the first four games. They've had offensive line injuries. They have worse receivers than the Patriots do. Yes. And they've been okay. And Minshew can come in and throw it around. So to me, that, that speaks more to like how bad the coaching has been in New England, which has been, you know, this is this has been five years of slappiness dating back yeah. to Brady's. Would you? I I had I have to ask. Is it last rights for Belichick for you? I think Belichick's still a good coach. I think okay. that I think that Belichick in New England might be something that gets that that gets put in the dirt here at this point. Like you just end up washing your hands of it because you're gonna have to restart at some point, and this is as good of an out as there's ever been, right? You're gonna move on from Mac. Probably you're gonna change the entire coaching staff. Like. It feels like a good time to start the new era. And even if Belichick goes to the Chargers and he goes to the Commanders and he's successful, then you kind of say, well, we got out when the getting out was good and we thought it would be okay. They keep Belichick. I'll be fine with it too. Um, but Belichick's at the stage in his career where he needs to like have an actual general manager and then have like an yeah. actual offensive coordinator. And like you can't just like whatever construction the Patriots had in the last two decades where they built the entire ship in Brady's image and Belichick's image. Without Brady, it clearly doesn't work. Belichick can still coach a really good defense, but they need Belichick's next team, whether it's Patriots or otherwise, needs to take on a more traditional construction relative to the one that they enjoyed for two years when they had Brady. Like that, that was a bespoke build that worked with those two guys. Take one out, it doesn't just work with the only one left. You have to go for a, a more typical method of running a team. So this would this I'm not sure I'm right, but it was just something I've been thinking about this week as I come to grips with the fact that I'm probably not going to have a good football team again until I'm in my late 50s. Um, part of Belichick's roster construction philosophy was, I just want a lot of swings at things. I want to have depth. I want to have a lot of like cheaper guys and just a lot of solid to good guys all over the place at the expense of having like some of the bigger ticket people, right? Yep. I wonder if the league is different and there's just more talent now and that actually the people that have moved into this, I know I actually want to have some blue chippers. I want to have some fucking badasses. I want to have some expensive guys. Like kind of what San Francisco's doing. The new inefficiency is like, don't spend anything on 
positions that we always thought were super important, but spend a lot of money on like defensive line, being able to block your left tackle, um, maybe mm-hmm. one big receiver. And that's just never how he built the team. He was always like, receivers are interchangeable. Running backs are interchangeable. Um, I just want to have depth everywhere. I care about my special teams. And maybe that's just done now in 2023. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about roster construction? I, I strongly agree. I think that's actually like that, that point sets off light bulbs in my head in terms of thinking about the Patriots versus other teams. Because I was just talking about the Lions on Extra Point Taken and saying like, they're four and one. I've been the biggest Lions rebuild believer in the last two years. I, I should be madly in love with this. I should be just banging the drum. Like I, I did, like Lions are good. I knew it all along. Here we go. And I'm not. And the reason why I'm not is because like I feel uneasiness in my stomach because I can't find their stars. And I, and I know that stars are January winners. I know that you play as well as you want in the regular season. When we get to January football, you better have two or three guys that can just take over a game period done. We win because we have him. You lose because you don't. And right now the Lions are asking Aiden Hutchinson to be that guy and Amon Ross St. Brown. And it's like, all right, maybe. But I would love if we could get like a real star on this team. With the Belichick Patriots, that makes sense. Like We are seeing target distribution among teams in the league become more funneled than ever to like a couple of guys. Look at the Raiders. They throw to Devontae Adams. And if they don't throw to Devontae Adams, they throw to Jacoby Myers, right? The the the, right. the Dolphins last year. We throw to Tyreek Hill. If we don't throw to him. We throw to Jalen Waddle, the Bengals, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, right? We have dudes who are good. We don't mess around with this. Eagles, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. It's very concentrated. And so a spread and shred approach, which was like a real common thing in the more in the more 2000s traditional West Coast offense, that starts to fall away defensive building, right? Again, look at how the Eagles do it. We're going to dominate with the front. We'll figure everything else out in the back end. The, the the Niners do the same thing to a similar degree. They spent a little bit more at linebacker and, and safety, but still, so we're going to dominate with the rush. The Cowboys, we're going to dominate with the rush. We'll survive in the back end. That's never been the way Belichick's done it. And so I do think that there's a polarization uh, of team building where you have to say, all right, we're going to win in the passing game on offense and the pass rush on defense and, 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 and invest so much there that we always win and we can figure out the rest of the stuff later that a lot of smart teams are, are employing that the Patriots have totally zagged on. Other teams have zagged on that with like some success. You know what I'm saying? Like you, there's always room to, to, to zag and to go a different direction and to, to be able to beat teams by pitching change-ups, but it's hard to do. It's hard to sustain long-term. Uh, and I think the Patriots are struggling in that regard. One of the team-building things I really like is when people double down on something they're already good at. Yeah. It's like, we have a strength and now it's a super strength. Like, And I, I think... The Jalen Carter picks a perfect example of that. You know, it's I've like, never had more fun in my life than I have watching Jalen Carter. I cackle baby, every time he plays. He's so good, dude. He's amazing. Defense he's already one of the three best interior linemen in the league, right? Yeah, he's like if he's like if Dominican Sue was just better. Are you for, like and Dominican Sue and they just do it, ratcheted on two and eleven? Oh, he's so good, man. I love him so much. I just just behave in the off season, Jalen. Please, I promise. Just please. Oh my God. Um. Would you do last rights on the Steelers having a competent offense or do you see anything in there that makes you think there's signs of life? Because just stat-wise, no offense has been worse. I mean, they have, mm-hmm. I have it written down, five, five touchdowns, 37% on third down. They have 30 punts this year and 70 first downs. You never want the 30-70 ratio <laughs> for punts and first Historically downs. not great, no. Historically not awesome. And yet, they're the Michael Myers team, right? If they could just hang around, hang around, mm-hmm. they get the other team to make dumb plays at the worst possible times. They'll get one 40-yard pass at the perfect time. They'll yep. get a weird safety when you least expect it. The Steelers are three and two. 
And they were my big pick before the year. And I've watched all of their games and I have no idea why they're three and two. So is their offense dead or can it be fixed? I'm I, I'm I'm willing to leave them on life support for a couple more weeks, just as so long as they aren't suffering. If they were suffering and in pain, I think I'd pull the plug. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a funny, it's a funny thing to be watching a team and to go, oh, thank God they made it a third and eight. Now they might just chuck it at George Pickens, right? That's the opposite (laughs) of the viewing experience that you're supposed to have. Uh, And that's one of the reasons why, like in these late games where they have these comebacks, like they just end up being in a Kenny Pickett backyard football world. And that's their best version of offense right now. Yeah, It's not even that great of a backyard football offense, like relative to other backyard football offense in the league with more passing weapons and better quarterbacks. But it's better than what they do on on the standard dropbacks. Um, I think that if you gave me this entire roster as it currently is built, and put a different OC in place, I'd feel like it has a chance to have some legs. And so as long as they get through the season without any like insane injuries, then they move on from Matt Canada, I'll still generally believe in this group. And accordingly, okay. like it's hard to fully bury them now. Deontay Johnson getting back is going to help this team uh, because they just they they need consistent winners at pass catcher. And right now they have like 1.25 with Pat Fryermuth, who runs 90 routes a game and gets three targets. I don't. Right. It's a, it's a total mess. It they is just, funny they, when guys yeah. when guys disappear for a while and then come back, but you forgot they were gone. Like the like Cam Robinson. It's like, oh yeah, they have their left tackle back. They're gonna yeah. be better. I well, kind of forgot Lowe about him. It. Yeah. Yeah. No, the uh the Deontay Johnson return will definitely help this team. Uh they're more willing to use Jalen Warren. Like I think, yeah, I think they are I'm comfortable saying I want to keep them alive for now. Bring me back on in a month and it might be the one A headline is is Matt Canada get out of here. I hope you're right. It's a miracle that they're three and two. Do you have any last last rights? Because I have one big one for you that I wanted to end on. I do have uh last rights to franchise quarterback Daniel Jones. I think we're Oh uh, we, yeah. Yeah. I think we, it's done. Yeah. There was that nice twenty nineteen run where we were like, maybe. And then that twenty twenty two run where we were like, oh. And no, it's just it's it, it doesn't it's not legitimate. And this was, it wasn't that it was easy to see that this was not legitimate, but rather in 2022, he was so successful playing a, an entirely different brand of football. He had quicker throws and shallower throws. They were doing quarterback run. It was so different than the player he had been for the first few years, which means one of two things happened. Brian Dable fixed him, found an offense that fixed him that he could work in, or it was total noise. It was, it was luck and it was the surprise factor and it wasn't real which means the easiest thing to do is just franchise tag him, play him for another year, and see which one it was. Instead, they extend him, and now I think it's pretty clear that, that a lot of that 2022 success was, was some chaos stuff, was some luck stuff, and it's not tenable. Uh, he'll be 28 in 2025 when his contract is movable, because it's not movable for 2024. I mean, it's like a $69 yeah. million dollar dead cap hit. Uh, so he's, he's going to be looking for a Tannehill resurgence, right? Where it's, I'm in my late 20s, I'm big, I'm, I'm, I can run around a little bit, I can execute your offense for you, maybe, uh, and we'll see if he gets that. I, I, I wouldn't super bet against it, but the idea of him as like a long-term franchise quarterback, I think that's 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 dead and gone. I thought of like Tannehill as like straight to video, like when you go on Amazon on Tuesdays and there's new movies and it's like, Nick Cage's new movie is out. It wasn't mm-hmm. released in the theaters. It's just out. It's right. just available right now to rent or buy. It's like, oh, they didn't release that in the theater? No. That, that Ryan Tannehill is like the classic... It's available right now on pay-per-view, but nobody's mm-hmm. going to the theater to see Ryan Tannehill. And you're right. Jones is probably in there. And I don't even know if Mac Jones is good enough to be straight to video. Yeah, He the might problem, be like Lifetime yeah. movie. The problem with the Ryan Tannehill arc is that it's called the Ryan Tannehill arc because only Ryan Tannehill has ever hit it. And that's why it's <laughs> yeah. not a good place to be. Right? If you're on a Ryan Tannehill path, guess what? It was named after him because he's the only one who's made right. it. Uh, you don't want to be there. Uh, Jones, 
both Daniel and Mac, like I can find worlds in which they're successful on a different team. So I'm not willing to close the door on like, again, them having like a Kirk Cousins era where they end up being a functional quarterback for somebody in their late 20s and their 30s. But again, like a franchise guy, a guy they're like, woohoo, we got him. We're set for the next 10 years. Not for me. If the Niners drafted Mac, is he doing what Purdy's doing now? Because I say no. No. Like he's doing 92% of it though. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here's my last, last rights. And I might get hit by lightning when I say this. Is the Chiefs awesome offense era? Wow. <laughs> Do we need to bring the priest in? No. It's Mahomes. It's Andy. I I I I will believe it like two years after I see it. I'll be very happy to be the last one to admit that the Chiefs offense has has taken so a you want it, you're gonna be last yeah. one to shut out the lights on. Okay, because yeah. they have no I, I can't even tell the receivers apart. You don't even mm-hmm. know who's who because none of them stand out in any way. And then Kelsey, and when he hurt his ankle for 20 minutes in that game, they look super mortal all of a sudden. The NFL, it ends fast, man. It it does, yeah. It's just like, holy shit, we're here now? I didn't didn't realize that happened. I just don't know who who like the big play dudes are if it's not Kelsey. I don't see it anywhere else on the roster. And, you know, it didn't hurt them last year. They were able to get through it. But, um, you know, is this, is this still going to be the team when they're down four with five minutes left, but the live bet is minus 200 on FanDuel because it's like, oh, Mahomes is going to get one here. Like, yeah. at some point, you can pass the point of no return with your supporting cast. And it feels like, like they're really playing with this now. I agree. Uh, I, I, the thing, the Travis Kelsey of it all is really what interests me. Last, so Kelsey's 34. It's easy to forget. Like, this dude's old, especially at the tight end position. For tight ends. Yeah, yeah the is, tight ends <laughs> fall off a cliff. Yeah, which, obviously, Kelsey having a great life moment at this time. But still, he's old by NFL standards. Uh, and last year, if you remember, like, right when they moved off Tyreek Hill, they were doing fine. They were doing better offensively than they are right now. But Kelsey himself was really struggling. And a lot of his explosiveness numbers were down. Like his NGS numbers, there was a miles per hour, how fast he got off the line, like all that was down. And he was really bad against press, right? He was just getting big boyed and he lacked the quickness and he lacked the strength. It just, he wasn't moving the same. And then he really picked it off in the second half of the year and into the playoffs. And so you say, okay, like Kelsey's a little bit old and they're just trying to keep, you know, they're not necessarily going to ask him to be operating at the highest level. And they're trying to, you know, kind of keep him fresh for the postseason. That's a scary world to live in when you have one weapon. He that's him, and you have to like manage his snaps a little bit, a little bit. Uh, what, yeah. What's it called in the NBA? A little uh, uh, rest, rest. Little manager, load management. Load the management. Pat, the Pats you. had to do this with Gronk. This yeah. is the last couple of years of Gronk. Yeah. So that's like that'd be okay if you had a second receiver and then another tight end who you felt fine about. But to live in this world where like Kelsey's really your only scary weapon, and you've got load management for him, that I think is very concerning. The Chiefs have rolled dice after dice after dice to try to find that second weapon, right? You go and you sign MBS, you sign Juju Smith-Schuster, you draft Sky Moore, you draft Rasheed Rice, you trade for Kadarius Toney. Like, they have brought dude after dude after dude in. They can't get a hit. Rasheed Rice looks like I was like going to say, so yeah. he's, I have him on two teams. Oh, he's, yeah. yep. he, there, there's some flashes. Yeah. Especially in the red zone. It seems like Mahomes yeah. kind of trusts him in the red zone a little bit. And that was the, the book on him at SMU a little bit. He's good contested catch players, good in the tight areas. And so uh, I think Rasheed, you can you can see him coming along. The Chiefs, uh, the Jets might be trading Michael Hardman. Go get Michael Hardman, get him back in this team. Oh my but God. Dust off the Michael book, run a couple of, of jet sweeps. But yeah, the, the Chiefs, I, the way they did it was right. Like they moved off of Tyreek. You know, you, you get the money, you start 
throwing dice and just trying to fill out the, the roster. They just haven't hit. They haven't gotten lucky. And they might be running out of time on the Travis Kelsey clock. So they are in a tenuous spot with the pass catchers. The offensive so line you, is great. So you brought some doctors in, but the pre, yeah. you didn't tell the priest anything yet. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the offensive line is still great. The running game is, is improved year over year. is impressive. And then Mahomes is still so, so good at getting the ball to the right guy in the right time, making magic happen on third and long. Like they had like a third and 22 conversion to Justin Watson, dude. Like, I, like I, they always, they still feel like they got it. It's hard to shake. They still feel like they got it. I felt like Minnesota could have had them in that game. That was a yep. deceiving final score, and I thought that game was way closer. The good thing for KC is they get to play Denver's defense on Thursday night, which if if you're a little worried about getting your offense going, I can't think of a, a better team than that. All right, so are you with me on Rasheed Rice Island? Because that's, uh, that's I, I do like yeah. him. I was not a Rasheed Rice like draft fan when he was out of SMU. First few weeks in the league, I'm I'm turning the boat a little bit towards Rasheed Rice Island. Might uh might might, might delete some tweets All right. and uh, and get and get back on over. Well, Puka ruined all draft process, and we're just never going to be able to have draft analysis ever again. Puka loved him. Talked about him on the Ring NFL Draft Show. Listen, baby, every winner. Here we go. <laughs> Two he's 220 catches this year for 3,000 yards. Justin Jefferson's losing four games. Puka's going to lead the league <laughs> receiving yards. He's got it. The window's open. <laughs> what's What's Philly's final record before we go? Shield made me run through the rest of their games uh, uh, on uh, on Philly Special. I had them at fourteen and three. Uh, they have a schedule coming like up it. that is that is absolutely gnarly. Uh, they get the Jets this week. That's great, lovely. And then it's the Dolphins, Commanders. Okay, whatever. Uh, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. I mean, they're they're November. Oof. Yeah, they're at Chiefs, home versus Bills, home versus Niners, at Cowboys uh, in a four week stretch. We're gonna find out. This Eagles team does not feel nearly as dominant as the 2022 team did, but here they are at five and zero. They're so good at closing out games. They're so good at winning games. But we're going to find out. They're going to play five of the seven, eight best teams in the league, pretty close to back to back to back to back to back to back. We're going to find out. I'm feeling good about my Hurts 12 to one MVP, which is now down to six to one. He's in the mix in a real way. Yeah, he's got. You got to have a big statistical finish, right? They've been running yeah. the ball so much and. Swift will score touchdowns. And that just bleeds your numbers. Meanwhile, Josh Allen is involved in like every single touchdown the Bills score. So you got to get the numbers up. But yeah, he's. I mean, they're five and zero, man. It, it, it's not as pretty as it was, but it's working. Ben Solak, good to see you. We can hear you on Ringer NFL and on Ringer's Philly Special. Read you on the Ringer.com as well. Great job this season. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to KOC and. Ben Solak, thanks to Kyle Creighton and Steve Cerruti for producing. As always, I will see you on this feed on Thursday. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. You can call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 
1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia, or 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.